0: Welcome to the next and newest episode of the Gun Dog Notebook. This is your host Darrell Smith, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about bird dogs, friends, and the experiences and histories made in the field, sharing the love and passion for the things bird hunting and gun dogs. I'd like to thank my previous, current, and future guests, including Macamo Kennels and Dog Beds, Field Dog Imagery, and a host of others for providing the audio and social media content partnerships used to make this podcast what it is. Stay tuned, you guys. This is the Gun Dog Notebook. Okay, guys. Welcome, 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 welcome. I hope you guys are noticing a couple of changes that are coming to the podcast. I guess I'll start with that. Um, I've been talking about it for a while, but I'm really just trying to piece everything together and and make this podcast into what I envision it um, to be. To be totally honest, a lot of things inspire me. Um, a lot of things in the Upland uh, community inspire me to uh, kind of make you know this look and feel uh, what I wanted to be like. So one of those things is like Covey Rise magazine, which I'd make sure I'm on time buying every month. I want to see about getting them on too. but um also guys, just you know really just my experiences and kind of how I interpret um, you know the upland hunting community and the histories behind it. Um, over time, I want to start taking a podcast in a couple of different directions. Um, and like I said,'m I've been in the works. To getting uh, some new surprises for my Patreon uh, patrons and and things like that. And uh, for my guests as well. So if you guys hear that, that is the sound of four roses being poured into my uh, good old classic white styrofoam cup. And I'm not gonna lie to you as much as I like uh, not chasing because I generally drink my bourbon straight. It's four four rows of small batch. I'm probably committing a cardinal sin by chasing it, but whatever. Um, I'm just I'm just I'm just in a chasing kind of mood today. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much what that is. But I want to go ahead and pop this thing on off, guys. Um, some some announcements. Uh, First and foremost, man, I need to send my thanks, my huge thanks to uh, John Blake Riddle and Lily Milner, both of whom have been on the podcast. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep to my word and go out and see folks and meet people and things like that. And uh, those were my first guests that I uh, went out to go visit. And when I tell you, I had a blast. I had a whole blast going out there to see them. And in the same time. John Blake made it a point to not only uh, blow my whole shoulder off because we shot, Lord, how many? I don't know. I don't know how many we had to have shot over 200 clays within like a two day span or something like that. Um, I was out in out Tennessee where they were. And as soon as I got out the truck, John Blake was like, yo, (laughs) let's go shooting. I'm with it um lily is just an absolute joy and the laugh that you hear on the podcast is as real in person as it sounds coming through audio um both of them are just phenomenal trainers and that's definitely a relationship that i see myself having for a very very long time with those guys so um also, John Blake made it a point to take me out to uh, the Ames Plantation and the Bird Dog Museum. That was actually on my bucket list of thing- of places to go, and that man made it. I mean, and he took me on his own personal tour and showed me around. I mean, we got to chit-chatting and having a conversation with those guys. I mean, I, I absolutely love it, and I'm a hat guy. So, of course, I had to buy uh, Ames Plantation uh, uh blaze orange hunting hat all right so y'all might see that you know in in some photos and in the near future all right so just a thank you to Lily and jb um the bird dog museum thanks to those guys for not only you know keeping up with the history of this but making sure that it's it's educational it's fun it's approachable um and just really just welcoming i mean that's my biggest thing, is just being welcoming. And and they really were, and they gave me a ton of information in addition to what John Blake gave me. Um, again, another podcast interest. Uh, Mackimo Kennels Dog Bez, guys, please go and check out the promo um, that they are providing through the Gun Dog Notebook. It's definitely something you want get, to uh, get into. My dog still to this day, he uses the first model of a uh, Macamo kennels uh i mean i'm sorry jesus the Macamo dog beds and it still holds true it still holds up and if you feel like your dog is a champion i would highly advise going to spend the spend a little extra money and you know give your dog a good night's sleep man they work out here and they work hard for us so just allow your dog to have a good time when he sleeps you know, you, you spend all this time hollering at them and hooping and doing this, trying to get them left, right, flush birds. Don't you think your dog deserves a good night's sleep? Not on concrete? LeBron James don't sleep on no concrete. I feel like my dog is probably LeBron James in dog form. So, anywho. That's what that is. Mackimo Kennels, guys. There is a... um. A promotional link that we have—you can find it on my social media, in the uh, show notes, and things like that. Um, also, Project Upland—I want to shout them out before we get going. To um, thank you, AJ Derosa, for who again was also on the podcast before, but thank you, AJ, for publishing my article. Um, I wrote an article about the relationship between teaching and. Uh, teaching like i'm a high school teacher so the relationship between that and actually training bird dogs is very 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 synonymous and uh it was my first article i think i did a pretty good job writing it i thought it was pretty interesting and you know a couple of other people reached out and said the same thing so you guys please go check that out as well thank you project upland um if you guys also notice on my social media page, Jerry and has contributed a lot of uh, imagery and things like that to my social media profile. So a lot of those photos and things like that are Jerry's. And I kind of want to say thank you to him. And he, Jerry also has a new pup coming up. It's an Irish red and white setter. His name is Finn. So, as of recent, you can see a couple of the uh, puppy photos on his uh, podcast. He's six weeks old. And uh, so, yeah, check that stuff out. And I also want to shout out my wife who just walked downstairs and is standing in my ear. What? (laughs) (laughs) She is studying for the bar. And uh, I think we need to give a public shout out and... You know, go ahead and keep her boosted. I'm down here being silly and running around with dogs. And she's learning how to keep me out of trouble. Legally. All right. Good deal. And um, I think I got a couple of other things, guys, that I I may want to run down throughout the podcast. Like I said, I'm changing up the format a bit. Um, Also, adding a couple of sound effects. And my last shout-out, and you will hear the audio toward for this uh, particular win, shout-out to the France World Cup uh, team, the World Cup national team, guys. France won. It's 2018. All right? We kind of slipped on them, and they look like a lot better than what they did four years ago, but it's totally fine. They also make very, very pretty dogs. So... <laughs> Mm -hmm. shout out to france and all my france listeners i'm very positive i have france listeners because i checked my stats french listeners she tried to correct me in my ear it's fine i'm stupid it happens Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you you know sometimes you let old do real out it happens all right so um with that guys i want to go ahead and get y'all introduced to the uh guest today which is mr edgar castillo and i swear to god is the most humble person ever i keep saying that but you'll find out why um i always talk about hunting in kansas and all the birds and opportunities that are out there and the fact that kansas will make or break you and uh mr castillo is your resource for that so check out the podcast and uh You know, let me know what you guys think, and and we'll see how it goes. Also, there's a couple of, you know, thoughts and book reviews and just a whole... Man, I'm learning too much. That's all it is. I talk too much. I learn too much. And now I I produce a podcast because I talk to my wife too much. She's walking away. But (laughs) I produce a podcast because I'm sure she gets tired of listening to me talk about bird dogs all the time. And then... I go on and I can't talk to my goddamn dog now because that's a problem, which I understand. Sometimes you just got to shut up as a dog trainer. So I guess I'm just left with talking to y'all. Anyway, here's Edgar Castillo, guys. Enjoy the podcast. It was actually really, really good. Um, And then I want to break it down a little bit towards the end and talk about the Ames Plantation National Bird Dog Museum and uh just a couple other questions i got for you smart dog handlers out there you people that are better than me all right so enjoy and i will follow up with y'all towards the end okay guys this is the gun dog notebook podcast all right this is an exciting new episode with mr edgar castillo out in kansas i pronounced your last name correct
1: uh, yes, it's, uh, Castillo.
0: Yes. Castillo. Okay. Where, where is that from?
1: Uh, I'm actually, uh, born in, uh, Central America in the country of, uh, Guatemala. Um, and, uh, basically came here when I was a young boy to the United States. And, uh, uh and I'm sure we'll get into it uh, <laughs> a little bit down the road, but, uh, ended up in Kansas, uh. And
0: uh been here ever since. Okay. All right. All right. So um generally I open up with background with a background anyway, that was you know, that was my first question to you. Um but now that I know you grew up in Central America, I've always wanted to go bird hunting out there. Have you have you ever did you grow up doing that? Um, no, I no I did not. Um, like I
1: said, uh, I we came here when I was a young boy. Um, my father, I believe, uh, hunted a little bit mm-hmm. um, back home, um, but not a whole lot. Um, the, uh, how can I say, the uh, game conservation and habitat protection and restoration, everything that we work so hard to protect, uh, those are not as implemented down there. So resources have been depleted, uh, both wildlife and uh, uh, obviously the, the rainforest. But no, my my dad was not a uh, per se hunter down there. He did not pick it up until he came up here.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know, man. I want to get out there. I look at um I look at a lot of Covey Rise um magazine. If you're, I'm yeah. pretty sure you're familiar with that, and they have a their um a lot of dove hunting and they advertise a lot of dove hunting down in Argentina and they say the quail population is pretty good down there. So I want to one day it's kind of on my bucket list to get down there and run some dogs. So <laughs> that's just a, uh, uh, I, mean, I
1: would love to do that too. We've got, uh, we've got some, some family and some friends that are from, uh, uh from, uh, Argentina and, uh, uh by wife, uh, which is, uh, uh, uh Blue anyway, white too is very prevalent. Dove hunting, pigeon, and duck. Yeah, I would love to get down there. But uh, where I'm from, it's uh, we don't have any we don't have any type of upland bird. We we do have a a um, the Central American turkey. Okay, um, but that's that's really about it. Uh, people, my dad said he would hunt like small deer, um, coffee bar and stuff like that. But uh, nothing, uh, not nothing like, not even ducks.
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just, okay. So I, well, I guess it is a little bit more spread out. I, I guess the region down there is a, a lot more diverse than here. Yeah. I would imagine it's a lot more diverse than here. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, when you moved to Kansas, like how was, how was that getting introduced to the, the landscape and, and learning the the area for you? How was that?
1: Well, uh, to back up just a little bit, uh, you know, I, I always wonder. There's a couple different stories and reasons why we came here, but uh, it, sometimes it just seems like my grandfather just took a, a a dart and just kind of threw it at the U.S. map, Really? And it landed in, and landed in Kansas because, you know, typically most immigrants gravitate towards the coast you know Miami, New mm-hmm. York, California and you know lo and behold we ended up in Kansas which I'm, I'm so grateful and blessed that uh, we did because I love I love living here.
0: Hey look and, you, you uh, could have picked a worst uh, place right?
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I think when I was a young boy when I was growing up I, I really didn't like it because I was used to the bigger city yeah uh, but as I got older uh, uh, things came into perspective and I Kind of understood uh, the benefits of living where 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 we chose to live, um, but uh, as far as I like, didn't you know the lay of the land. It's you know I live in the suburbs mm-hmm. of the Kansas City metro area, and uh, so you know we, we were are real close to being in access as far as access to. Hunting, you know, we have
0: to we'd have to drive a little bit, okay. um, but not not too far. Yeah. Well, I um I I if your granddad picked a, a dart to just throw at the U.S., like I said, it's that's it's a lot of the places you could have landed without <laughs> all the abundance of uh landscape and birds out there, man. Because it's it's I guess that's why I'm excited to talk to you too, because it's just so beautiful out there. You know, I've only been once. But I mean, I, I act like I've been there for years, you know, because it's just it's just so beautiful. And I, and I, I speak so highly about it. So, you know, it, I don't know. It's just such a unique landscape, you know, and it's not like I think we were talking about it before. It's not a whole lot of birds out there. Like it's not like a Dakota type of hunt. But it's enough out there for you to have a really, really good time. And there and, and there are an abundance of birds. But I just feel like you got to – I like the fact that you have to do the work to get to them, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think uh, – I mean, obviously, Kansas is always in the top, I guess, three or four mm-hmm. uh, in the nation as far as, like, pheasant, And I would assume probably pretty – pretty near the top of quail hunting.
0: I, I um, would our, assume our, so. Our
1: quail population has exploded, but Kansas is not as flat as what people think. Uh, in fact, if I remember right, I think uh, Kansas is actually like the, I don't know, like the 32nd least flattest oh. of the state.
0: Really? Uh,
1: yes. Uh, I mean, wow. The, our highest point is, I think it's like 4,300 feet and, and obviously it's out towards the west but and, and you can't can't really feel um you know it, 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 as you're traveling west that you're you're going up it doesn't uh, feel like it at all no and <laughs> you, you know you can't you don't notice it at all it's just uh you know it's more of a gradual uh incline mm-hmm. and but there you know western canada's compared to southwest to northeast and even the eastern they're going to run into
0: a variety
1: of of uh, landscapes and habitat and mm-hmm. but uh, by no means is it i mean yes of course there are some places that are really flat but uh, i hunt um, you know in the flint hills and it's up and down um pretty good sized hills
0: yeah um, how how many miles do you think you put on during a hunt out there Me. Uh, I typically average,
1: I'd say anywhere from, I'd say six to nine.
0: Okay. Yep. If, if
1: I'm hunting on the Eastern side, which would be like the Flint Hills. Yeah. If I, if when the group that I hunt with, there's about three or four of us. If we go a little bit farther West, like central and then West, mm-hmm. easily, easily 50 miles.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because it's just but, so it, but, it's but so the, wide the out the there. Style of
1: hunting in Kansas is a little bit different. It's a lot of stalking. What do
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, you know, like if you go west, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Wyoming, Montana, mm-hmm. um, you're you're talking about large expanses of public public lands, you right. know, thousands upon thousands of acres.
0: Right.
1: Kansas does have public lands. I think the state manages about, I think it's about a half a million, which is still quite a bit, but it's they're all spread out. You're talking about, you know, two or three wildlife management areas uh, in one specific region and you like to drive you know, maybe an hour or two and then go right into another Wildlife management area that could be twenty thousand acres. Wow! Um, but what Kansas what Kansas lacks in public lands, it, it it it's near the top in public access. Right. And I'm talking about the uh, walk in hunting area. And I'm sure you're familiar. I'm sure you saw
0: that yep. when you came out here. Oh, there was but so to, many opportunities.
1: Yeah, you're, you're talking over, over a million acres.
0: Of course. And I mean, and it looks like it.
1: You
0: I'm sorry. No, I was saying it just, it looks like over a million acres. When you walk into those walk-in areas, it's just, it's land galore. I mean, I'm, I'm just adding to what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and what, I'm, what I was trying to explain as far as stop and go is you're going to find a place, a walk-in, hunting area that may be 50 16 acres and you hunt it and you take up a couple of cubbies of quail and some, maybe some pheasants or some prairie chickens mm-hmm. and then you know obviously you don't want to deplete you know a whole cubby so you jump in your truck and you go to the next walk-in hunting area you know and you're using your maps and your 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 guides and you'll go to the next area, which may be a thousand acres, and you know, depending on how you work it, right? And uh, what you're looking for, then then you get in your truck and and you go to the next area. But there are places that you can spend all day hunting, and uh-huh. that, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. You know, kind of stop and go hunting. It, it's just the way the land is set up here in Kansas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish we had huge expanses. We've got two. Um, over 100,000 acres, Um, but for
0: the most part, you're you're talking about stop and go hunting. Wow. Now, how often do you run into other hunters out there?
2: You know,
1: opening day, just like anywhere else, Mm -hmm. you're you're going to see a lot of, you know, vehicle traffic, obviously. You're you're going to be able to tell people that are heading out for opening day. As far as like foot traffic, you know, maybe a handful of times. I mean, you know, there are certain areas in the state that everyone kind of gravitates towards, mm-hmm. uh, and then as you're driving, I mean, you'll come up to a spot. And if there's a truck, you know, you look on your map, and there will be no issue for you to be on it on another piece of section or property. Right. You know, a couple of minutes down the road. Um, so, I mean, I I've never been working a field and run into another group of hunters or another hunter, maybe once or twice. And then had him like, you know, turn around. Normally it takes, you know, do you want to help help each other out and work, you know, work this piece of property together. Mm-hmm.
0: I can but dig for it. For the
1: most part, it, it, it doesn't affect my hunting and, and I'm just talking from my experiences.
0: Right. Okay. Well, and that's one thing, I guess, you know, to just piggyback off of that notion of just maybe just running into somebody else. What I really appreciate about you, Mister Castillo, is um, the fact that you're you, you you brought up a very good thing. Hey, do you want to hunt this this piece of land together? Like you're not very selfish, and I really appreciate that. I mean, you know, you were very willing to link up with me um, when I get out to Kansas, and so I'm definitely going to keep my word and make it happen. But. Um, you know, it's important to, to collaborate with other hunters, you know, and, and have a good time. And that's one thing I really like about the community of Upland hunting is, Hey, let's do this together. You know, whether it's work the dogs together, whether it's, you know, us hunt property together and one of us got one dog or nobody has a dog at all, but we're going to kick up birds and, uh, you know, and work this together, have a good time doing it. You know, like that's really important, um, in the community of what we do, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, I think the Upland community as a whole is, uh, I mean, everyone's always helping each other. I mean, I, I can give you a list of examples of people that I've reached out to um, asking for information and mm-hmm. not per se, you know, honey holes. Right. Um, um, but, you know, I, I've taken several people out uh, to some of my places. Uh, because they, you know, they didn't want to experience prairie chickens. I get a lot, asked that a lot.
2: Right. Uh,
1: and I, I've taken them out, and, uh, and, you know, there's a certain, I guess, a certain code or an ethic. You know, uh, uh, I've been hearing a lot of the uh, Chucker Code about showing uh, Chuck, you know, Chucker Hunters showing mm-hmm. each other uh, their, their different uh, uh, honey spots, mm-hmm. uh, honey hole. Uh, and and I, I agree with that too. For the most part, but uh especially new hunters or mm-hmm. new hunters you know sometimes I think you've you got to give up uh a, a little bit uh, in order for the upland community to continue to grow if
0: right. that makes sense right no i I totally agree i mean you know there there's a i guess that's why they call this a gentlemanly type of community like there's a respect in hey I had somebody at to the to the Chucker code to address that like there's a respect in, Hey, I had somebody bring me out here. And if that happens to me, like if I want to hunt that spot, I will legit call that person and say, Hey, do you mind? And and generally I don't even do that because I've got my own places to go, but All it's right. just, it's just a respect about it. And again, not abusing that. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. It's not cool to bring other people <laughs> like, look, this was a good opportunity and let's not abuse it. Let's have a good time and just respect it. You know, um, you just absolutely have to man. And even with, um, just to kind of transition into that, I've always wanted to go to a lot of those chucker spots just to see. Um, but I've also never hunted grouse. So those are two birds that I really, really want to get on. And then prairie chickens, you brought that up too. What's a prairie chicken? (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know what a prairie chicken is.
1: Well, a a prairie chicken is, it it actually falls under the grouse family. It Uh it is a prairie grouse. So if if you're familiar with rough grouse, Mm -hmm. um, spruce grouse, Mm -hmm. ducky grouse, even the sage grouse. Okay. uh, and, 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 you know, you... Obviously, the sharp tail the grouse is probably the closest cousin to the prairie chicken, but okay. it is about the size of a chicken. It's got uh, 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 feathery uh, type legs. Um, like the uh, sharp tail grouse, they uh, perform a, uh, a maiden dance ritual in the springtime mm-hmm. on uh, what they call lex. Um, and uh, they have, uh, I guess you could. Um, I, I can't remember the exact terminology, but the, the gully sacks that inflate that they use to, uh, to court the female. Okay. Um, but okay. Uh, they're kind of like a drab tan or brown. Okay. Um, with a little bit of white and uh, uh, a hard to find bird because um, uh, they're very skittish.
0: Okay. That's why I don't think it. I ever saw any out there. So that's why I was confused. I was a little lost.
1: Yeah, they're, they're very skittish and uh, they're very um, uh, prone to like habitat uh, um, as far as like uh, things being encroached into their, um, their type of uh, landscape and habitat. So you've got to find uh, like short grass natural priority
2: mm-hmm. um
1: that's where you're going to find um prairie chickens
2: typically.
1: okay uh you will find them in, you know feed fields obviously uh, but you're but you need to get out into the big open wide grasslands okay. to typically get into prairie chickens
0: okay that sounds good well i one day man like i'm getting out there to kansas is going to be an annual thing for me um I've already declared that last year. <laughs> so one day maybe I'll come across some. Um, so let me let me go ahead and ask you to go ahead and burst the bubble. What is the story with this visual that you were telling me about? <laughs> What's the story
1: uh, behind uh, the visa? Uh huh. Well, um, I think it may come to a surprise for some. I think most may have probably figured it out, but uh, uh, the Vichela that's in uh, some of the photos on my Instagram account, if that's what you're referring to,
2: uh-huh.
1: um, uh, her name is Staley and she is not my dog. Really? Um, I I do not have a dog. Uh, I grew up with uh, Brittany's, mm-hmm. uh, so I hunted behind Brittany's in and, the and lab. Um, but due to my employment and, uh, schedule and different, how can I say assignments that I, mm-hmm. that I've had. Yeah. It
2: was just,
1: it was just not conducive for me to have a dog. I, I, I've been wanting a dog, uh, and it's just kind of been, I just kind of been putting it off. However, the other day, as recently as in the last week or so, uh, Probably looking at a good one here in the next year, if not less.
2: Really? Uh, both of my
1: daughter. Both of my daughters were uh, my oldest is in college. My youngest will be going to college and uh, my wife um alluded to that she would like to have a dog. Okay. The house. Um and I retire in about two and a half to three years. So uh um I am really ecstatic and excited about um getting a dog um, to have one for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, Staley uh, is a friend's dog and he's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, but I'm able to get out hunting a little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I've been hunting with Staley since she was a puppy. I was there when she pointed and retrieved her first pheasant. Really? Her first quail. Uh, I got her um, on my first prairie chicken Uh, and a lot of people think when we're on the field that she is my dog. Uh, She is, um, if if, if my buddy, the owner, Dave, is not around, I'm the only other one that she will listen to and I will pick her up in the morning, you know, I'll call my buddy Dave and say, hey, I'm going to head out west and I'm going to swing by and grab Staley and he says, Go for it!
0: <laughs> you got a dog on reserve,
1: and uh, I'll open the cab of my truck, and she'll uh, she'll rest her head on my shoulder, and uh, you know she'll sleep. You know she, I've taken her to Nebraska; she slept in the in the same bed in the sleeping bag, and uh, she she listens to me. You know I'll tell her to go one way or the other, or yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that she she's my dog yeah and sometimes she listens to me you know uh, when when I am hunting with Dave uh, he'll tell he'll tell Staley to go with me especially if we get split up to, to start working cubbies of, of quail and uh, you know I'll whistle over to her and she'll she'll come over and uh, she'll start hunting for me so it, it, it's a, it's a neat experience and I' I've, I've come to grow very close to her and mm-hmm. fond of her honestly and she's a little bit older, and I was out. Um, you know, I was able to get out on her last hunt. Uh, she is pretty much done. Um, but
2: uh, but he's got a new dog,
1: and I'm going to help him. Uh, you know, work uh, work her. So uh, okay. Yeah. So,
0: wow. Yeah, it's it, it's a neat
1: story. But uh, I, I'm ready for to get my own dog. But yeah. I I have uh, enjoyed. Uh, my time to field with, with Staley. She she's a great she's a great
0: bird dog. Nice. Okay. I mean that's that's cool. You got a dog on reserve, man. That's <laughs> that's really cool. And so are you now. When you guys do get a dog, what are what are you interested in? Another Beesla or you want to do something else?
1: You know, I, I would uh, I would love to have a beesla My my wife, you know, she knows Shalmson knows Staley. Uh, She's uh, the dog. Um, her temperament.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the other beagles that
1: I uh, come across um, are pretty much the same. So I, I would be opposed to beagle. But I, I'm kind of looking into kind of like a, a wire, a wire dog. Uh, oh. Whether it's a a, a, a a Griffon or a Drafar, a buddy of mine's got one. Okay. Um, but, but I'm not sure. And, and you know, my wife wants a bigger dog so it, it could be a lab I'm I'm, I'm kind of open to anything
0: okay right now
1: but uh...
0: my um my buddy Richard Mumpower I had him on my early podcast when I first started and um he has a Drathar, and uh I hey look he's he says he's thoroughly impressed with that breed mm-hmm. I mean just the drive it's all sometimes it's it's almost overkill but the yeah. dog can hunt i mean when he needs a nose on the ground and birds in the air he'll go with that dog i mean and he's yeah. got um I'm, I'm thinking about getting a german shorthair next year from one of his litters um or anything he re- recommends but hopefully one of his litters actually and uh like i said he has that drothar and it just he it's an impressive breed, man. Um and then AJ De Rosa from Project Upland, he has that group on. Yeah. So and I mean he says it's it's a solid breed. So I mean either way, the wire breeds, you're not gonna have too much <laughs> too many complaints, I don't think. Yeah,
1: well, I think there uh, I've got two buddies. One's got a, a German wire hair, the other one's got a tremor and they are just, uh, they're just they're they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um yeah they're they're uh very versatile dogs we we you know we take them duck hunter uh and uh upland bird and then my buddy dan that's got the dressar um he, he runs her in a uh, different field
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: not field trial but field test mm-hmm. and so short short track uh she's a blood tracker um so i've been able to see her uh, um, field, um, doing that but uh, yeah there's there', was, there was such a strong versatile breed and yeah. at least the ones that I've come across uh, you know they're very, very social um, and you know pretty quiet um, not mm-hmm. very temperamental right. uh, I don't know if, you know maybe other other ones are but not the ones that I've come across
0: right no, I, I I'm here for it man'm I'm, I'm excited for you though especially if the wife is cool with it too. so and i that's
1: that's, that's the most important thing
0: hey look (laughs) i had to run that by mine um last or a few months ago i told her i was like hey look in 2019 i gave her enough time (laughs) to to, to, kind of get it out there um one thing i do also like to say about you man i appreciate you're definitely a family man and i just really respect that i noticed that, that a lot about talking to you um so you know just props to that i really appreciate you know i appreciate it. thank you yeah man like you it, it's almost like look you, every time i talk to he's like hey look i'm out with my wife we're doing this thing like i i'm about to be married in october um and so i just like seeing examples of that you know yeah
1: uh, yeah well congratulations <laughs> and, uh, yeah I, I appreciate uh the compliment but uh yeah, I, I have to give uh, kudos and uh, props to my wife because she uh, she's great. She's, uh, she understands the reason why I do it and how much I'm passionate mm-hmm. about it, how much I love uh, being out in the field. Yeah.
2: And
0: uh, for me,
1: it's, it's to get away from work right. um, and not deal with the, the, the silly stuff that I have to deal with every day. Um, so when I go out into the field with my buddies, um you know it, it's it's not it's not a time away from home it's funny because when i'm at home i'm thinking about the uplands and and bird hunting and then when i get out there i'm thinking about my wife and my daughter. <laughs> but that, oh. that quickly vanishes when uh when i have a a, a covey explode in my feet or a couple of,
0: <laughs>
2: you
1: know cackling roosters or some ducks coming in they
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: quickly uh uh, saved away, but um, look, you got, you got
0: to, you got to focus, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can dig it, man. I, I can dig it, and that's the same way. I'm actually, I've been itching to get my wife out to Kansas, and I think, I actually think she's gonna go. I'm gonna speak that up on the podcast, but I think she's going to come out there too. Um, and not even she doesn't want to shoot or shoot anything, but. I just brag so much about how beautiful it is out there and how peaceful it is and serene. And so she was like, All right, I I think I could do that. And you know, we'll get her I'll get her all the stuff she needs. Um my wife's mandate though, our our mandate is that uh every year on my birthday she goes upland hunting with me. That that's the guarantee. <laughs> she agreed. So I,
2: I'm going to try that
0: this evening I, I'll, let you know,
1: I'll let you know how that works
0: out look hey all you got to do because c- it's hard to argue with a birthday man yeah. <laughs> it's hard she to argue
1: has, my wife likes the outdoors I, I think it's uh, she loves hiking we go walking mm-hmm. and hiking
0: all the time and, uh, that's how and I pitch it to her uh, I,
1: I think it's the the shooting part uh, uh, that you know yeah, Um and she she's never gone, but uh, yeah, you definitely need to bring your wife out. And, and I told you, we talked uh, briefly before. Uh, you got to check in into those cabins. You get a cabin off the overlooking one of the lakes, and she'll she'll love it. She'll fall in love.
0: Of course, of course. I've already kind of pre-gamed her on it, so I'm just I'm just kind of easing her into it. But I I think she's uh, pretty much there. I, I think you'll see her out there. Um, so let me ask you this, man, let's talk about that sage grouse hunt you had in Wyoming. Um, so you were talking about it in your pursuit international magazine, right? And I want to talk about that as well, but you know, the the sage grouse is like this legendary bird that us folks out here in the South, we will never see. And I hope one day I'm, I'm able to go after that bird. Let's talk about that a little bit. How was that?
1: Well, first it was, it was a phenomenal trip. I was, uh, I guess a bucket list bird. And I never would have thought, uh, that I would end up in Wyoming, uh, with, a, uh, with a group of, uh, great guys out there walking in the high desert, uh, hunting for sage browns. I had talked about it, read about it, dreamed about it, and last year, exactly a year ago, uh, uh we were discussing it and someone brought it up and uh, I had done a little bit of research and four of us said, you know what, it's doable. Let's do it. And uh, so we planned it all summer long, drove out there to uh, Wyoming and uh, camped for a day or two and then uh, transitioned to a, into a, um, some living quarters uh, because of the weather and, uh, yeah, you know, we spent five days uh, just, you know, walking the sage city, uh, hunting sage grouse. And uh, we hunted a little bit of blue grouse. Uh, we hunted some sharp tails. Did a little bit of fly fishing. But, yeah, it was unbelievable. We're we're looking to go going back this year. We just, we haven't decided yet.
0: Yeah. Man, that's, that sounds beautiful. And, I mean, yeah. I just, I just hear these majestic stories about it, you know? Yeah, it
1: just you know it, it, when I was out there, I remember uh, that first day. I was when I, when we got out of the truck, we had seen about oh, about half a dozen kind of loafing along along the roadway. So we we drove past them, got the dogs out as quietly as possible, grabbed our shotguns or bird vests. and the first thing that hit me was the 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 odor, the 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 scent of sage that was just overwhelming. It really? you was know, like that, you know, obviously, a lot of the time we were hunting, but uh, just, you know, just to, to walk and hunt in a completely different environment that I was, uh, you know, not used to, uh, just the wildness and the openness, seeing pronghorn and wild horses. You know, a lot of the times, and I could probably speak for the other guys too, sometimes we just got lost. Uh, amongst ourselves out in the sage as we were hunting, I found myself taking photos and just you know looking around at the mountains that surrounded us, and, and especially we were hunting like in a basin. Uh, yeah, it was it was a spectacular trip. I, I really, whether it's sage grouse or anything, any you know, other type of bird, I you know tell people if if you can do it. Uh, if you have the opportunity, you know, especially if it's a once in a lifetime that you may never be able to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, go, go out and, and 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 follow, you know, your your dreams. And, and I'm big on 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 cost. Right. We did it on a reasonable budget, uh, and uh, yeah, it was a great time.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, I um. I I appreciate that advice, man, because I want to kind of open up that conversation about traveling hunters, you know, because a lot of people don't necessarily get out of their state, you know, to go hunting. And there's so many different types of game out there and so many different types of birds. And, you know, like my personal favorite is my personal favorite um, upland bird to hunt is the quail, you know. Uh Um, and I just want to go after like all different, uh, types of them. And at the same time, try my hand at grouse hunting, you know, and just getting that experience. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this two going on three years now. I think that's right. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's almost like there's no ceilings to it, you know, and just realizing that, wow, there's. You know, you have the whole state of Wyoming and just getting used to that terrain and watching a dog adapt to that terrain. You know, that's kind of what I'm in it for, you know. And so I want to not only address, um, I guess, experienced hunters, but for novice hunters, like getting them out there and introducing them to different landscapes and different scenes. And that's pretty much what I'm I'm going for as far as my podcast. And I also noticed that the uh, Pursuit International magazine kind of does the same thing. Like it didn't, I noticed, I felt more, uh, I guess I felt like the magazine was a little bit more relatable. Does that make sense when I was reading through it? Yeah, yeah.
1: I, uh, I, I, go ahead. I I agree with you. And, you know, Darrell, to to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about, the traveling part of it, Um, you know, I travel as much as I can. Um, If the opportunity, like I was describing earlier, if the opportunity arises, I'll try to do it. Um, I would would suggest for new and, like you said, experience hunters, uh, do research, you know. Obviously, use the internet, social media. Uh, contact the uh, the local uh, state uh, department of natural resources or the you know uh, game conservation officers. Mm-hmm. Request literature, pamphlets, maps. Do as much as research you can uh, about where you're going to go. Obviously, the game that you're, the, the the type of upland game and upland bird that you're going to hunt, mm-hmm. uh, the habitat tactic, you need to. Uh, hunt them in, um, and get all that information and and, and uh, you know see if it's do, doable. Right. I like I like to hunt obviously different birds. That's why we went to Wyoming. But I also like to go to different states. Like you know I'm I'm about two hours from Nebraska. Right. And I'll I'll go to Nebraska to hunt. Uh, Pheasants and quail. Even though we have pheasants and quail here in Kansas,
2: just a different game.
1: abundance. but I like the the notion of going to another state and just kind of hunting maybe the same type of bird, but in a, but in a different different landscape. You know, uh, western Nebraska has rolling grasslands, and I, you know I want to make it out there one day and, and see what it's like to hunt pheasants out there. You know, it it may be the same as parts here in Kansas, but I want, I want, I want to experience, you know, to hunt quail in Missouri, Iowa. and, And I have done that. And I, you know, to me, that's an adventure as well. Maybe it's not a different bird, but it's in a different
0: location. Right. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's what it's here for, man. And it makes it, it makes all those long hours on the road and, and, the gas station stop. it makes it so worthwhile you know like yeah. i i was out in kansas and the first pheasant i ever i'm proud to say as crazy as it sounds the first pheasant that i ever came across i stepped on and my dog totally missed it and i missed the bird because it flew into the sun right i'm i'm it, it sounds crazy to say this right but it was, it was the quintessential, um, it was a quintessential surprise, Lord Jesus, hang on one second, there we go, I had a call coming in, but what ended up happening was I'm out in Kansas and I'm walking, my dog has no understanding of what quail, I mean, uh, what pheasant sin is, and, and I can understand it, respect it, because this was before we were doing pheasant shoots, so he's up ahead of me, totally misses the bird, and I step on it and scared the life out of me, right? I mean, it's a big, powerful bird, flies up in the sun. I'm glad I missed it because I didn't know what sex it was. But at the same time, just to have that experience and to have that challenge, you know, like that's the best part about traveling to other places to hunt different birds. You have experiences like that. And then you have other experiences right. where you adapt to it, right? Where the first yeah. quail that my dog got out there, you know, tried to sneak around my back, you know, and it was, it was totally instinctual, but the, the entire episode happened. So textbook, you know, and, and that only happens when you have the experience of being somewhere else, totally uncomfortable, you know? Uh,
1: I Yeah, I agree with you.
0: So, I mean, man, this is, this is something that I really want to um, I guess, ask myself is what the experience, what experience am I looking for when I go to these places? You know, I want, and, and it's also important for, for my dog. And I'm sure you can relate, relate to this. Um, my personal preference is to hunt with a dog, but, it, you know, yeah. because it's just pleasurable, it makes the experience a lot better. And if anybody else in the world is going to be there and experience the same feelings and emotions as I have, it's going to be that dog, if not more intense, you know? Correct. Right. Um, and so just to have that in the good days and the bad days, and my dog will turn around so much and look at me crazy if I miss birds, right? Um. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny, man, being such a new hunter. Now... In addition to traveling, there's always pros and cons to the different places you can go, right? Like, to be totally honest, Georgia doesn't have as many quail opportunities now as it did, as it's known for historically, right? So with Kansas, what are some of the pros and cons for the hunting opportunities that are out there, in your opinion?
1: Well, um, Pros and cons, I would say definitely what we discussed earlier is the stop and go. And I I don't think that's a, depends on how you look at it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, pro as far as um, that you're going to be able to hunt a variety of locations, Uh, you know, down the road you may be hunting uh, a cut corn, cut milo fields. Uh, and kick up a couple of roosters mm-hmm. and then get done uh, walking that and then drive, you know, a couple minutes down the road and then come across, uh, uh, some natural, uh, CRP type field and, and, uh, tree lines and kick up, um, a of quail
2: mm-hmm.
1: or go down, you know, drive a couple more miles and then, you know, uh, work, uh, work up some, uh, some cattails and, and bust out some, some ducks and some pheasants. So you're going to get a lot of variety. Wow. And at the same time, like we discussed, it, it, it could be a con just because of the, for those that are not used to the stop and go type of hunting.
2: Right.
1: And I think you would agree that, you know, especially if you take a Western hunter and bring them out here, there's just some use to just, you know, getting out of their truck, Loading up their gear and their vests or pack and mm-hmm. just walk, it. right. And then they 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 may return later that evening, right. That's just not the notion that you're going to. I mean, like I said, there are a couple places in Canada that you you can't experience that, but you know, uh, I, I would say that's a negative thing. Yeah. Um, and and I I think the only other I think as far as pros and cons, I don't, I'm. As First as personal, I just I think that would be really the only
0: thing. I mean, uh, yeah. and um, not and, and not necessarily to consider it a con. I guess that might be the wrong yeah. word, but just some I, of the different. You know, the way how you look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I um, I don't know. Like you know, depending on the terrain that you're used to hunting, like that was definitely something different for me out there. Um, because with Georgia. A lot of hills, a lot of trees, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much what you get here. And and so you have to sift through a lot of that. So I personally like the openness of it. Um, this next dog that I get next year, I, I, I want it because it'll cover a lot more ground, like hunting with a lab. Yes. I, my buddy, I, I love him to death and my dog is awesome. I, I have to I always shout out my dog on my podcast. I love him to death um but he just cannot cover all of that ground. I'm sorry, it just it's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Um and so that's what I'm looking at the um that German short hair for just to just to get a little bit further out there, you know. All right. Um so this is one thing I'm also very interested in kind of discussing with you, but you're writing for Pursuit International. Um I just I I I like to uh say that I just had something put into Project Upland um, and I really enjoyed that ar- writing that article so what got you into writing or or can't talk about that opportunity
2: well it just
1: you know it just kind of uh, happened by accident actually it, it was uh, about a year ago uh, maybe maybe a little bit over um, I was at Write a small piece for uh, Seneca Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you follow them on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they, they have a website, uh, a an outdoor type blog, uh, focusing on you know a variety of, of outdoor uh, activities. And so I wrote a little piece on I think if, if I remember right on boot hunting bootwear, uh, taking care of your boots. Okay. And. Uh, oh. Uh, you know, it was, was well-received. They asked me to write another piece, which I did on, pu- on public access and public hunting. Um, and that uh, generated a lot of activity, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, soon after, um, I was contacted by Harvesting Nature on Instagram. Um, same same type of website. Uh, nice. Dealing with a variety of... Uh, outdoor activities, big game hunting, waterfowl, um, a lot of cooking and outdoor game. um, And so I I started writing for them. Um, You know, I wrote a a lot of those were how-to articles or tips Mm -hmm. and and a lot of that is just based on my own experience. Um, uh, Of course, there are some generalities and hunting tactics, obviously. And, and then I was uh, approached by AJ of Project Upland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I uh, submitted a couple uh, pieces for Project Upland, um, specifically Fessenhagen. Okay. Uh, I did the I did the piece on Kansas. Um, for those that are interested in going uh, coming to Kansas, uh, I wrote about you know things to expect, the type of uh, upland game birds that you can find here. A little bit of information on hunting licenses. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, Pursuit International uh, reached out to me. And, and what I like about them, what's unique about them, that, uh, and I don't know if you noticed, but all their pieces, all their uh, content are written by just regular yep. Joe Blow guys, mm-hmm. just hunters and anglers and, mm-hmm. and other outdoorsmen they're, they're not um you know per se uh paid writer you know big name writers that uh, have been brought it to you know write about a certain topic or or specific uh type of uh you know
0: hunting right um, that's that's one thing that yeah. I, I really appreciated about that magazine um i like i said it felt very relatable
1: Yeah. Like I said, I, you know, when I first started writing, I was like, you know, I, I am not a writer. I did not go to school for writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, My, my writing consists of, um, uh, you know, those who know what I do, you know, it's, it's reports, um, investigations,
2: Mm -hmm. search
1: warrants and stuff like that, you know? Right.
0: Um, (laughs) Not necessarily, uh, (laughs) outdoor writing.
1: It, there were, it was a little bit of a transition to uh, uh, the style of writing. And uh, fortunately, my wife is a journalism major, so uh, oh, nice. uh, she's helped me a lot. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this aspect of it. it I, I, I've taken it uh, and included it uh, into the, my Instagram, uh, and it's just an extension of... You know, people following my adventures on the field and now I get to write about it and uh, hopefully someone takes a little bit of information from it. And that's my main goal is hopefully, hopefully my stories or my tips and info inspire someone to, uh, to run to the field. And, and, uh, if I can be of any help, I, you know, I get a lot, uh, a lot, of emails and I try to, I, well, I answer all of them and, I as much
0: as I can. well look i uh i can definitely say i appreciate it um <laughs> somebody that's so new to the game like i am i can say um and probably speak for a lot of other people everything that you have contributed you know so far um is very well appreciated so i mean and, and it's and it's a responsibility man like we've got to, I've got to do the same thing for somebody else that you're doing for me. Right. Um, It's just, it's, it's a responsibility. So I, I have to.
1: Yeah, I I agree. It's kind of like, you know, paying that
0: forward. Yeah. You know, I, I, if if I can introduce someone uh,
1: through an email to go and try out some bird hunting or give them some advice to, you know, on where to go or how to hunt a certain bird, And then that's great. And, you know, uh, I've done that. Uh, I've always tried to do that. And when Mm -hmm. I get a photo sent to me saying, hey, you know, I went to the place that you told me or, you know, general area. And, yeah, we were able to get into some quail. And, you know, uh, that's I I like that. Uh, My dad taught me that when I was growing up. And I'm just I've always done it.
0: Right. Well, I'm, I'm here for it, man. And I'm I'm definitely going to continue encouraging uh, other folks to just share that same passion. I mean, it's worldwide. It really is. And, um, you know, important to remember, like, the history and the traditions behind it. And that's also another thing that I like. I'm starting to like about writing. Um, this is my first article, but I'm definitely going to keep doing it. And for me, it's, it's almost like it's preserving a memory, preserving, you know, histories and just the traditions. Like there's so many components to upland hunting, you know? And, and why wouldn't you want to remember these things and the good people that are around you that are willing to help you out because it's a totally selfless community, you know? So I just, I, folks like you, man, I got to say thank you. And, you know, before I, uh, start wrapping the podcast up, I just want to make sure that, you know, we've addressed everything, you know, that I can do because again, you're somebody that has a lot of wisdom and a a lot of knowledge, um, for doing this. And again, you've seen various landscapes and things. What is, what is one thing that you could probably say to a a new Upland or prospective Upland, uh, Wing shooter. Uh,
1: I would say uh, find someone a mentor, uh, whether it's a family member or a friend, or mm. you know even someone on the other side of a, you know a computer, or an email, or social media. Find someone that can guide you um, and provide you with some uh, some knowledge, some information, uh, and hopefully maybe they can even take you onto the field. Right and. Learn as much as you can, um, and um, you know it, it's not all about uh, bag limits. Um, you know, like like we talked throughout the, the podcast. It's it's the experiences and who you're with, uh, your family, friends, and, and of course the dog when you're active. Right. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I would just, you know, I, I think that's important for hunter retention and recruitment. Yeah. And, and it puts a lot of responsibility on us that are, you know, I guess more experienced or, you know, more, maybe not more knowledgeable. Uh, cause I, trust me, I go out in the field sometimes and I don't pick up anything and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what, what, you know, what did I do wrong? But, uh, yeah, I just find someone that you could, uh, uh, follow along and uh, learn as much as you can from
0: them. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably, I would, I would agree that's the number one thing is find a mentor. Um, I've had, a and that's half the reason I started this podcast because I've had good mentors and things like that. And the community is so large, wide. And, and with the advent of the internet, I really think the upland hunting community is, dynamic is about to change you know, because of the fact that you're in Kansas, I'm in Georgia and, you know, AJ is out in the Northeast and, and things like that. Um, you know, and I can connect with Western shooters like the mentorship pool is so large now, you know, it, it, it really, 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 really is advantageous if we do it right. And, again, with respect to folks hunting honey holes and things like that, I just, I like what this platform is really doing, and it's helping me learn a lot as a new shooter. So, you know, Mr. Castillo, like, what you're doing and, and again, what you've done for so many other podcasts at this point in time, in addition to the the Upland writing community and just, hell, new shooters or, you know, guests to Kansas like that's a, a, a huge thank you for every, your contributions, man. Like it's good people like you to have to be heard and to have those experiences and to stay motivated from, you know, so that's, that's, that's kind of my, my, my thank you to you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate
1: it. I, uh, I don't know about, about all that, but, uh, I said I'm just, you know, I, I like helping people, um, it probably stems for my my job. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> well you are a cop.
1: Yeah. but yeah, um, but yeah I, I agree with you. I think and uh, you, you brought up an excellent uh, point. Project Upland, I mean I think they I think they're uh, if you really look at it they're at the center of pretty mm-hmm. much everything that you growth yep. is like you you uh, you described it um they are at pretty much the pinnacle of, of Upland Honey right now. You mm-hmm. know they put out films and yep. and you can go to their website, and get all types of information and, and knowledge, you know, from where to go and how to hunt and dogs. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's important that that we have, the upland community has that right now that you can go, um you know, to that site and, you know, and uh, uh, find, find what you look for as well as reaching out to, to different people. Right. Like you said, you know, you and I are talking right now, and and uh, um, you know, hopefully
0: you'll come to Kansas and we'll hook up. And uh, uh, I may I may have to blindfold you <laughs> and, and around, but, uh, I hey, that's I fine. That's
1: totally fine. I, if you come out here, I'll I'll get you on birds. Okay. All right.
0: I'm here for it. I'm here for it, man. That's that's what we're coming out there for. And I look, I'll make sure you have a good time with my dog. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, (laughs) Well, Mr. Castillo, it's been a great episode with you, man. And of course, you know, we're friends now, so you'll definitely hear more from me. Um, I actually want to get to editing this and uh, let you know when it's uploaded. But I mean, everything that you had on here was great. So, man, that's that's pretty much a wrap. Thank you, Mr. Castillo.
1: And call call me Edgar, because Edgar. Uh, okay.
0: you're making me feel old. <laughs> uh, look, man, look, I'm just from Georgia. My grandmama told me to call call him by Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I do the same thing. I'm sure you know this on
1: my emails. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're uh, Mrs. Smith and Mr. Durrell.
0: So, uh, <laughs> well, you can, yeah, I was going to say, just, just call me, call me by call Durrell. Me. <laughs> yep. Well, Edgar, that's that's great, man. Thank you so much again no problem. Just,
1: uh, anytime you need anything, uh, uh let me know. We said, uh, you know, we're, have been communicating quite a bit and mm-hmm. I'm sure we will we'll continue.
0: Yep. And I, I am.
1: appreciate
2: you
0: having me on this. For sure. Thank you for coming on. And what I'm going to do is, um, I'm going to go ahead and try to start booking those, uh, lodges out there as well. And I'll let you know when I do so. Cause I mean, I'm yeah. sure we need to go ahead and start. Like said, there. Uh,
1: definitely look into those. If, if you, if you have any questions, uh, shoot an email or a text, um, and I'll get back with you, but those are, I'm being dead serious. Those are, if you're able to get one, you, you're able to experience it. You'll never go to a, uh, as far as campus, you'll never go to a hotel. Okay. Uh, they're, they're just, you know, it, it's almost like you're staying at home. You know, it, like I said, it, it's a cabin. It's got all the amenities. They're, most of them look out over a lake. They ride a porch. And, uh, yeah, your wife would would, would love it. Um, so quiet. Um, okay. No TV. Uh, at least the ones that I've been in. Uh, but, yeah, uh, definitely uh, something to look into.
0: Okay. Well, that's, like I said, that's that's what we're, uh, we're looking at. So I'll definitely let you know where we are and, and when all of that stuff gets uh, taken care of. But it's, I'm, I know it's got to be done soon.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they throw up pretty
0: quick. Right, right. Well, all right, Mr. Casillo, I will give a call, give you a uh, a holler a little bit later on, sir. Thank. That's that's the end of the Gundog Notebook podcast, guys. Um, wow, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to get to editing this. All right, Mr. Casillo, I will holler at you later. See sure, you later. Have
2: a good day. Thanks.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Alright guys, so that was uh, Mr. Castillo and I personally thoroughly enjoyed that podcast. He's a great guy and I'm looking forward to linking up with him out in Kansas. Alright, so just to segue a little bit to segue a little bit, I got Miss Ashley here. She's taking a break from her uh, bar studies and Ashley went with me to uh, Tennessee to go uh, meet John Blake and Lele. And before I get into my whole rant and dissertation and long windedness and take another of y'all's time, take another hour of y'all's time, Actually, what do you think? What, how, what did you think about the whole, the whole of the Tennessee experience that whole trip?
3: Well, my first thought would be, I would just want to thank, Lili Milner and Mr. John Blake Riddle for having Drill and I down um, to come see you guys. You guys were fantastic hosts. We had lots of fun. Although I was studying for the bar, they would, they would take me to Panera while they were all having fun. When I did come home, Lili and JB um, prepared phenomenal meals. Uh, that's the first time I have had wild duck. And what else did we had? We had duck,
0: uh, rabbit dumplings, yeah, duck,
3: rabbit dumplings.
0: Uh, that was I, I think that was That's all right, the wild game. game. Yeah,
3: yeah, and we just had other really good food. So for me, I think just to give you guys context, so I love Darrell with all my heart, but this is something that he really enjoys, and I just you know support him. We we like different activities, so eating wild game and all of those things are different <laughs> for me. Um, so it was really a new experience for me, but I've learned that you don't grow unless you try new things. So I'm always open to trying new things, but it definitely is something different for me. So I really, really, really enjoyed the duck, JB, very good duck, very, very, very good duck. Um, and we just had a really good time. It's very peaceful. They have beautiful, they have a beautiful property, lots of beautiful land. Um, even did some shooting with Lily, JB and Darrell, and I just think we just had a really good time um you know beautiful home just good people good times good fun and uh it was funny they have um lots of really well trained dogs so it was really good to see um them in their element with their dogs uh and also of course we took Ruger with us so i think Ruger of getting adjusted to being around that many dogs and so it was just it was just an overall it an overall good experience.
0: What about that damn cat though?
3: Yeah that's very interesting. So Ruger's never been around a cat. He also is not around a lot of girl dogs. It's my phone. Look at you with your notifications. Mm-hmm. Um so Ruger has never been around a cat and he's never been around a lot of, he's never been around he's not around girl dogs often, I should say. So it's very interesting to see Ruger around a cat, <laughs> uh, and that cat. Uh, shout out to Garfield uh, and his mom, <laughs> Lily. But Garfield is a very funny cat, and um, so it was interesting to watch them interact. And then Ruger was obsessed with Lily and JB's female dog Goose, mm-hmm. and so that was very interesting to watch as well. So you know, it was just a good time. I wish I could have enjoyed more because I, you know, I was studying, but. Yeah. I'm glad you took I me. Mean, I'm glad we went. It's always fun, date road trip, road Amen.
0: trip. You just gotta, gotta get that shotgun back in your hand,
3: though. Oh boy, yeah. You know, we'll 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 do more after I finish, after I take the bar. But yeah, so I think that's all I would say. Okay. Every time we go somewhere together, I call it a date. So it was a road trip.
0: Date. Yeah, but you and. <laughs> We're going to call it a bird dog date. No, the road trip date. It's a bird dog date. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just coming off of Tennessee, it was uh, just out of that trip and the whole Ames Plantation. Is out, for those of y'all that don't know, Ames Plantation and National Bird Dog Museum is out in Grand Junction, uh, Tennessee, which is a very, 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 very historic area of Tennessee. I would definitely highly recommend, if you consider yourself a serious bird dog, gun dog, or whatever type of dog that hunts anything that flies with feathers, I would definitely go out there to see it. if you, Even if you're not even interested in field trial this, field trial that, what that did was um, show me just early American history. Not only that, as much as I like British shooting and how English and British people do stuff, there is a whole parallel between um, the field trials and back in the day and British shooting. What I mean by that is, it takes a certain type of dog to have that much control and uh, specificity, if, if if that's the correct word to use. Um, what I hear a lot of people, you know, always say is that. You know the dogs of, of, of back in the day; they were just machines. They were machines, and the dogs nowadays are a little softer. This and that. And I don't know necessarily know how true that is, but what I will say is, those dogs were machines, and even in the photos, there's just a, a certain grit that comes with them. You know, and even in the museum, I mean, we're talking about dogs that were being trained long before, you know. Any
3: technology. Any
0: technology, yeah. Like, no, you just, these guys, what I learned from them is they spent time learning their dog. It didn't take no kind of, it. it well, there wasn't, it's not that it, it didn't take it. There was nothing else other than learning your dog.
3: Well, and I think also just from listening to you and watching your experience, and I think it comes down to anything where you really get into a discipline or something you're really getting good at you have to remember that there's always a natural connection there. So there's Mm -hmm. a natural, inherent, historic connection between man and dog. And I think that's what you, you know, you saw the museum has preserved that. So you don't need technology. Technology is an enhancement. It's a a help. But at the end of the day, you and this dog can communicate and you guys can work together to get a job done. I have to remember that. Like when I'm studying for the bar, like sometimes it's not about the mechanics. It's just what makes sense
0: you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, wow, I'm going to quote you on that one. (laughs) It's not about the mechanics, it's about what makes sense. You like that? I like that. (laughs) It's not about the mechanics, it's about what makes sense. Damn, that was good. I mean, seriously, it was good because that's all it is. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm learning, um, about a lot of this dog training, man. I hate to be the one to continue, bring. actually, I'm not going to bring that up because that's so tired and played out. I'm not going to bring that subject up. I'm just going to say to anybody, man, go to that plantation, National Bird Dog Museum and really see what is possible. See the opportunities. I'm not going to sit here and, and say that anybody's training technique is worse or better or anything like that because at the end of the day, it's got to fit the dog regardless. But what I will say is,
2: Kruger, what are you eating? You know
0: these. Oh God, it's a lab. What do you eating?
2: Okay.
0: So any anyway, uh, okay, he's fine. These older guys, they just know their dogs, man. If I ever got a chance to talk to Delmar Smith, and of course he's in the National Bird Dog Hall of Fame and all this and field trial, blah 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 blah. Um, if I ever got a chance to talk to them, like I would just really wonder. You know, you know what it was like to to not really have resources.
3: And Del Mar's the guy that invented the the lead. You the wonder first. lead, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. See, I'm learning as I go, guys.
0: There you go. You're Learning as you go. You pick it up. You know, I'm a quick study. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, quick study. And speaking of a wonder lead, that and a check cord, and maybe one or two other things that are like. If I told you what they were, you would think I was a freaking idiot. But it don't take much. Just learn your dog. Like use the least to learn the most. It don't take that much. Um, I've even after leaving JB and Lili and just being out there, I my dog got a lot better, and that's just hanging out with them. Right. Um, You know, if you were the stuff that I posted on my uh, Instagram story today. That's the first time I've ever really seen Ruger run a long, straight line like that in a long time. He does well, yeah. He does well. Um, And so, getting the steadiness drills. But, this is my question about bird dog history. To me? Nope, not to you. Oh,
3: dear God. I was like, please don't ask me any bird (laughs) Mm -mm. dog history.
0: You're asking your listeners. Yes, my listeners. And it's something to think about. Um, Here in Georgia, I always, like, idealize. I keep this one photo in my... uh, My first gun dog notebook. The first composition notebook. And it is some guys down in Thomasville, Georgia. They are part of the the Georgia-Florida Field Dog Association or something like that. But basically, the Black Dog Handlers Association. One thing I didn't see at the Ames Plantation, I didn't see no black people. I really didn't. And, I mean, just knowing what the history of things are and knowing how, you know, America pretty much was in the past. I mean, ain't no need to, to shadow around it. I'm very well aware that there are some pretty dang good bird dog handlers out there and now, and especially back then. Um, you know, looking at the histories, that was actually one of the jobs you know, on a plantation for a lot of black people is one of more more valuable jobs at that. So I just would like to do a little bit more research and see if there there are any handlers that were black that would have made the Bird Dog Hall of Fame or even had a dog and trained, you know, like...
3: So you're, you're saying that
2: their stories weren't included at the museum? Yeah, that's...
0: The, it's not even just at the museum. Like, I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to target anybody. Mm-hmm. But... Oftentimes, the stories aren't included at all.
3: Hmm. I guess there's probably not some. So, I guess it whoever's been doing back the then. job of preserving the history of this industry, just um, maybe there hasn't some, maybe someone hasn't come along that's done a more complete view of the history.
0: Well, I know they haven't. They weren't going to back then.
3: Well, I'm just saying. So I'm saying so. Modernly, I mean, I think that's definitely the charge of the new generation of of people that are doing what y'all do, right? Because back then, you have to realize not just history. And I know you know this. I'm not saying that you don't know. But just in, the, if we think about the context of the of the era, just because of where we were as a society, it just wasn't going. It to wasn't happen. going to happen. Yeah. So now that we are here now, and we don't have you know, myopic views that we had back then, I think it's the charge of the newer generation to make sure that we have a more inclusive, complete right history. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you guys should get on it. You new, <laughs> you new generation. I think you guys should get on it and make sure that generations to come have a complete narrative so that they can learn the story and the trade, um, from all different perspectives.
0: Right. Um, That's something I kind of want to pursue going forward. And I mean, I know it's out there. Um, JB showed me his book, which is on my little book wish list, because this one ain't a cheap book. But it was the uh, it's titled The Golden Age of Waterfowling. And in it. You had the, the the book broke down. The pushers versus the paddlers, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong because I don't have a book in my hand right now. But basically, um, I could be backwards. I got to get it and I got to go do some research. But there was a racial differentiation between the people that pushed the boat, like actually pushed a boat down the stream and the paddlers. Um, the paddlers, I think, were black if i'm not mistaken and, and 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 if if that's not correct then it's the other way around but um that was definitely mentioned in that book the author was uh Wayne Kaputh. uh he's an md and uh the book is roughly about $200 but John Blake and Lili had it sitting on their uh
3: coffee table on their
0: coffee table and it just broke down the history and, and, and we'll
3: have
2: to
0: get it yeah we'll have to get it i'm that's on my list but in it there's just this whole section of uh you know just information that's solely focused on african-american uh african-americans in the upland and waterfowl world for that book is obviously waterfowl so that's just something i kind of want to um be aware of and just do a little bit more research hell even if it's for myself so that's kind of my uh Some of my ending thoughts, you know, as far as, you know, the histories behind bird dogs and gun dogs. And I I just really want to kind of get into that. And uh, maybe I'll even, you know, write a little bit more about it. And uh, along with a couple of other articles that I got, I've already written, actually, um, that need to be kind of edited and so on and so forth. And hopefully we can get them back on Project Upland. Okay. So, um, with that, those are kind of my concluding thoughts. I really want to just go back in. Oh, Ashley is raising her hand. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Quick story. Darrell and I met in the sixth grade. So, he has funny stories and me raising my hand in class but anyway. So, <laughs> I was raising my hand because I, I'm I'm not sure if you've already done this. But if there are any female listeners or there are any men who know females, who know women, who are interested in anything Gundog? Uh, Lily Milner, oh she's yeah, dear friend of Good ours. Call. Yeah, so you want to give the details? No, you do. You well, don't. you might give the details a little better, but she's hosting a retreat. She's got fantastic sponsors. Who are sponsors? are like Land Rover, Land Rover and Prairie
0: Wildlife.
3: Okay, yeah, she's got fantastic sponsors, but she um, is a licensed therapist and just honestly a beautiful soul and a beautiful person who I'm grateful to. Have a friendship with now because of Darrell, but she um, has does a really good job of of talking to people and teaching people about what this what this practice what this what what this does for you guys what things mm-hmm. what this does for people and how people can heal and become better by you know being outdoors and doing active things and working with dogs and you know one thing she said she said. You know, for somebody that's going through a hard time, one of the best things that they can do is have a dog. Because if you're depressed or you're having a hard time, one of the most wonderful things about having a dog is you can't lay around. You have to get up. You have to take care of the dog. And um, taking care of another living being will then help you heal yourself. So, anyway, that's just one of the things that I've talked about with her. But she's having a phenomenal weekend this fall. I think she's having two weekends. Mm-hmm. Um. Like we said, her partnerships are actually Land Rover, Prairie Wildlife, and Orvis. And um, the first weekend is October 19th through the 21st and November 9th through the 11th. For more information, go to Girls with Gun Dogs. is their Instagram handle. Yep. And there, Lily will have all the information. But if you're a woman and you just like being outdoors and you want to be with other women and just have some fun outdoors, this is the place to be if you're a woman who maybe you are... In a place where you're looking for some growth, you're looking to push yourself, you're looking to just push yourself to the next level, this is a good place to be. If you're a woman, you're having a hard time, where you're healing from some sort of tra- traumatic event. Because, you know, we all go through hard times in our lives and you need just a a community of people to help you heal and a place to just go out and have some fun. This is definitely a place to be. So shout out to Lily Milner. I think this is a fantastic initiative. We are behind her 100%. And um you know, we just love her and wish her well. And if you're looking for something like this, this is the place to be.
0: She said it better than I could because, uh, <laughs> old do real don't know, no, no, no English.
3: Stop talking like that, <laughs> really. Um,
0: but yeah, guys, please go out. And if you're on social media, go check out, uh, Lily's page, Girls With Gun Dogs, spelled just like it sounds. And, um, you know, and, and go RSVP, guys. Lily is definitely somebody that's in demand and I can imagine that the experience that she's going to provide you is going to be top of the line.
3: Oh, absolutely. She's Lili Milner. Right.
0: <laughs> so guys, I'm, I'm going to kick it to you straight. You probably want to go ahead and get on that.
3: Yeah. Asap. She fills up right. The Lily Milner. The Lily like, Milner. you know, yeah.
0: That Lili one. Milner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anywho, um, like I said, I, I just want to uh, end on a couple of notes and things like that. Um, my last thought, just as a, not, not to elaborate or anything like that, but just something to think about. Maybe I'll get into it in an article or maybe another podcast, but something I think about every day is what exactly is your personal standard based on? Like, as a, as a dog trainer, as an owner and things like that, I know there's a lot of differences, field trial, this, or meet dog, that, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that conversation is had enough, but I think we all need to figure out what your personal standard, you know, for your dog is based on. You know, everybody talks about screwing up dogs, this and that. I don't think you can screw them up, Um Especially if you take in consideration that these guys are more aware of the environment, and nature, and everything around us than we are, I, I highly doubt that the idea of screwing a dog up is is even valid. But what is valid is the standard in the, I guess the 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 level that you train at, and the level that you want to see your dog. Um, I'm reading this book. Uh, the best way to train your gun dog by uh Delmar Smith and he talks about the fact that a lot of people won't even tap into the into the their dog's ten percent of their dog's uh potential and I think that's actually true like yo, what are we doing out here and it, and it just really bothers me that so many people, are so concerned about messing up their dogs or doing this, but not concerned enough about learning their dog and and pushing that dog to a higher level and a higher standard. So it's just something to think about. You know, I don't want to keep going. We've been going for an hour and 30 anyway. So there will uh, be more on that. And and if you want to, man, you can uh, shoot me an email, a couple of thoughts and things like that if you just have them. My email is uh, thegundognotebook at gmail.com. All right, guys, that is all. I hope y'all enjoyed it. It was an extra long podcast, this go-round. long this go <laughs> And uh, we are going to catch y'all on the flip side. Bye.
3: Bye from Ruger and I. Yeah, Ruger's rolling
0: around Ruger's on the ground. Ruger's rolling around on the floor. Yeah, he's like saying bye, but yeah. Yeah, he's just being a bye Ruger. Bye
3: from the Smith family. Yay! <laughs>
0: Alright, guys, we'll holla at you later. Let's look at the